Welcome to the Secret to My Success Show. Our guests will inspire, educate, and motivate our listeners who own a business or dream about being a business owner. Today's guests will share their stories and the secrets to their success. They have valuable insight with what they went through to start and grow their business. They will share the good, the bad, and the ugly. I promise it will be fun and valuable. Later in the show, former Major League Baseball player Luis Alaseo will be here talking to former celebrities and athletes about their transition from fame to being hands-on business owners. Good day. This is Alan, Secret to My Success, here with my very good buddy, Luis. Luis Alaseo. Good day, Alan. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Another day, another day in paradise. Another right? day in paradise. Sunny Florida, hot, humid, bugs. How do you not love that? And listening to you. And listening to you, we've been spreading a lot of love today. It's the whole thing. It's the theme. You know, love is in the air. Love is in the air. So we actually have a very special guest today, and we're going to kind of go off topic, but we wanted to learn more about the general manager of the radio station here at Legends FM that we broadcast from, and then we podcast. And we have our special guest, Tim. Good morning, or good day. Good, good morning. Day. Good morning. That's what we're going to be on. So I. Uh, I, I, I always very curious about what's going on in here because uh, there's always my favorite logo in the in the studio once a week and with the big Boston Red Sox hat on. And so I'm always sticking my head in there wondering what's happening in there. So now I'm in, in here finding out for myself what is actually happening in here. Now you're here. <laughs> so obviously, you know, Louie played for the Red Sox. Yes, very aware of that. Very aware of that. And I've got to tell you, Tim's office almost makes my office look amateurish because i've got crap all over my place for the red sox big B in the front i got everything all over my office and tim's office makes mine look like i'm in the minor leagues we're doing a actually a contest and we're paying name the first time that you see alan without a red sox hat <laughs> that's a pretty good contest <laughs> I i've never I seen think I was without born. A hat. never seen him without one no <laughs> so we can make that a live contest. <laughs> so so I actually redid my bedroom, and I took and I made a hat closet. And I have got 10 racks with seven each, so there's 70 hats in there. Do you take a shower with a hat? We're not going to get into my personal hygiene, okay? <laughs> We're just not going to do it. Okay? I've got a waterproof hat that I put on just for the shower, right? Yes. But I actually talked to Carter Wallace, and I asked them if they would make Boston Red Sox condoms, and they told me no. <laughs> I wouldn't go there. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we're not going to go there. So, yes, I'm definitely a Red Sox fan. But once again, I, I found I found my equal. I've got Tim here. Love the Red Sox. What made you a Sox fan? Goes way back, but probably uh, probably in '67. I was a young kid, maybe whatever eight. Grew up in Boston, nine. right? Grew up in New Hampshire, New Hampshire, a little bit north of the city, a couple hours north. But everybody in New England's a Red Sox yes, fan. Anybody who's smart. Anybody who's smart, right. So, Yastrzemski, Tony Kinkliero, Reggie Smith, that whole lineup, George Scott, you know, uh, just an unbelievable team. And uh, they they ended up winning the pennant um, that year by uh, trying to think they beat the twin. They had just beat it because that's back when they just had one AL and one right. NL mm-hmm. team and play in the World Series. And they beat the Twins, I don't know, by a half game or something. And we didn't really find out till almost the last day of the season. And then it went seven games against the St. Louis Cardinals. Bob Gibson was pitching. Unbelievable series. But we still lost. <laughs> and you remember those, those Oh, yeah, I remember times. it. Those were difficult times to make it. Those yeah. were real difficult times. Yeah. No, it was uh, – yeah, Stremski was unbelievable. Unbelievable year. Triple crown winner that year. 
and then Jim Longborg, big picture for them that year too. So I just fell in love with the logo, the team, just you know, listening to it on the radio was you know, it caught every game practically. Now, um, I'll tell you what, I um I had a chance to play for five different organizations. Obviously the Cardinals uh was my first. It's good it's a good organization. Yes. Too. Um very blessed and very thankful that they took a chance on me and I learned a lot of, on that organization. But I will have to say, um once I got into the Red Sox organization as a player in 1995, walking into the stadium and just the feel of it, I, I was I was very proud of wearing that uniform, you know, because of the the, the legacy and mm. and all of the legendary players that played there prior. And it's just something about that stadium when you into inside the stadium, it just brings back something in you you know it's like there's no a bad seat in Fenway and obviously no. now with the wall um <laughs> going underneath the wall and, and put your name on it and seeing the names of the people that went through there it's it's amazing it's an amazing feeling yeah no. every game feels like a playoff game every I don't game. care what happens every what day game. it is every game feels like a playoff game I tell you um when we won in 1980 uh, uh 2007 oh. 2007 um when Manny hit that home run uh, to win the game, I swear to God, I actually thought the whole stadium was going <laughs> to crumble down. <laughs> you know, it just, the ground was shaking, and it was just the most amazing moment uh, that you can feel on the field. Obviously, you got uh, Carolina Sun coming every game, and so Carolina, so it's, a, it's an incredible tradition. We had one of your former teammates on a few weeks ago, Mike Greenwell, and he, it, it was interesting him, yeah. that Greenwell came out and he said that in 62 years, the Red Sox had four left fielders. Only four left fielders. Yeah. And he was one Williams. He was good. He was Jastrzemski, good. Rice. Yeah. And Mike Greenwell. He said that in that same period, there were 12 U.S. presidents, that it was harder to become the left fielder for the Red Sox <laughs> than it was to run yeah, for office. Yeah, playing that monster is tricky. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I had a chance to be there and. Um, as a player and as a coach, but as a coach, obviously, it's a different perspective on the game. And people always talk about how Manny or whatever. Manny was there every afternoon prior to anybody coming into the stadium, and he was taking balls off the wall in different angles. So everybody thought, oh, Manny doesn't know what he's doing. No, he did that every he single day. He seemed aloof. His attitude he's made attitude, people but now, think but that he, he, was he prepared himself very, very well. Right. It was funny. Greenwell had said that he used to like to watch – uh, the visitors come in, and they, the greatest left fielders would be out in left field, and they looked foolish. Mm-hmm. That ball will hit the ladder, or they'll hit a certain mm-hmm. panel, and it will bounce a different way. So you got to really like get a lot of practice on it, and you know you play deep enough where you know you can fool the hitter and the base runners. Like, oh, the ball is in, and you acting like you're actually going to catch the ball, and the ball is you know halfway out the wall. You know, so it yeah. takes a lot of time to, to to get better at it, to get really good at it. I've got to tell you, I'm really, really bad luck for the Red Sox. Here I am, this diehard fan. 2018, I have four tickets. We had one of our guests, Melanie Lenz, had given me her four seats, and I went over to see them play in Tampa, and they got swept. Every game, <laughs> they lost. And then the Red Sox make the playoffs, and I'm sitting at a convention, and I'm on my computer trying to get tickets. Nah. I, get, I get two tickets for the playoffs against the Yankees. Got lucky. In 2018 I got really lucky. Two great seats. Well, not that great, but 90 bucks a seat, I believe it or not. I could see the game. <laughs> I could see the game. And that's the one game they lost. 
So in 2018, I saw five Don't games. Don't go anymore, man. Game Just I, watch it on television. So it's funny because I've asked Melanie for more tickets, and she's like, you can have anyone you want because it's really nice to know that when you go, we're going to win. As in the Rays. It wasn't the Red Sox. It was bad. So, yes, I am not a good luck charm for the Red Sox when I go, but I love watching the games. It's kind of hard not to. They're, uh, they're starting out a little slow this year. A little? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Guys, it's, it's like a horse race. Didn't you watch Kentucky Derby last time? I didn't, but last, it looks like the guy weekend, who came this in. This is the same thing, we're man. Gonna, we're going to come from behind. Baseball season, it's a, it's a, it's a horse race. It's just, you don't win the, the race in the first quarter, man. You gotta. It's a long season. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that happen, a lot of injuries, a lot of trades coming up. Like, you know, again, good teams are always going to be there at the end, and that's they're, they're a good team. They're in a difficult division because everybody's yes. good, yeah. but they're a good team. Yeah. And they're well yeah. managed, so I mean, uh, no worry about that. It's too early. Just to start hitting together. Tim, you're from New Hampshire. You're a Red Sox fan. Yep. I'm sure you're a Patriots fan. Yep. Got a Bruins fan. Celtics. Yeah. Right. Yep. The whole got all got all the colors. Got all got all the logos. <laughs> right. That's it. It's what it is. It's all there is to do in New England. You know, besides uh, the eight weeks of summer, it's you got to have something to focus on. Exactly. So, where and when did you decide what you were going to do growing up? Uh, that's a good question. I probably sort of fell into uh, the radio business when I got out of college. I was a journalist major, uh, English major journalism, and but I was a competitive long-distance runner. Right When I was first out of college, ran for the Boston Athletic Association and was training trying to qualify for the Olympic trials in the marathon. This was in the uh, early, mid-'80s. So you did the marathon? Yeah, it's several marathons. I'm in Boston six times, and uh, but you get to a point where I was pretty good, but you you're there's not going to make there's a living. another level. It's another level, and even those guys have a hard time making a living yeah. at it. But I, you know, you work hard to pursue your uh, make you know develop your potential, you know, and try to be satisfied with that. So I was running uh, in Boston. Uh, we used to do uh, track workouts at the MIT track every mm-hmm. Tuesday night, and I met a guy who had just bought a radio station, a small AM station north of Boston with a couple other investors. And I started talking to him. And uh, he just said, come, come on over to the station. Uh, I'll show you around. It was right near where I lived. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. And uh, it just, I didn't really understand that world. But once he explained, you know, uh, you know, what, what, we're playing these songs. And for the interruptions in between the songs, we sell those to advertisers for you know, whatever it was, five dollars a spot or something in that town. I said, how hard could that be? <laughs> you know. So I learned all about the business there at a small AM for from sales first. First sales always started in sales, right? And then uh, worked my way through sales management, and then ultimately through uh, from sales management up to you know overall management of stations. It's a it's like a business or anything else. You just want to bring more in than you spend, and uh, it's ne- it's always. There's a certain excitement to it because uh, it's always on 24-7, you know, and uh, it's like a plane. If you don't sell those seats, uh, you know, the plane takes off. Right. So if we don't, if we don't, we only, we have a certain number of slots and uh, in between the songs, and that's the revenue stream for radio How do you station. choose your uh, clientele? We, you know, it's really uh, a, a certain amount of research um, based on what, you know, the from a from a hands-on standpoint, you know, just talking to people who listen and seeing who those people are, hosting events, seeing who shows up at those, but then also talking to. Uh, we have an independent research company that 
that researches the market every year called uh, Media Audit. And they basically do an hour interview on the phone with various demographics and, you know, genders. And then they tabulate it all together. And you can get kind of a consumer profile on everything from where they shop for go out to dinner, what kind of cars they buy, what kind of music they listen to, what kind of radio stations they listen to. So that gives us an indication that we've, on Legends, we've got kind of an older, sophisticated, mature uh, adult in the community. And but you probably also have a lot of people with a little bit more wealth than your average I, I listener absolutely. It's a, you know, the music playlist tends to uh, attract a more sophisticated, you know, consumer. They, this isn't every, this isn't a mainstream format. It's older, but it's also got jazz components to it. So it, you know, you want to match that up with, you know, financial, health, uh, services, uh, like medical services, uh, um, home building, uh, you know, high end, high end cars. So you kind of want to cover a spectrum of the audience of. Yeah, you so you, you know, you go right. I've, I've got these people listening. What are these people? What are they buying? Mm -hmm. You know, and who would be best served putting these two things together? But it's funny because you can make such assumptions. Like, you know, Chuck E. Cheese might not be your audience, but all these people have grandchildren. True, you can <laughs> you, know? you can always take it a level further. You try to start with the tightest glove in hand. You know, like the Kravis Center is probably one of our bigger advertisers because they have a lot of these acts who actually perform theater, arts, things like that. Museums are another category. We've done a lot with art and culture in the market. Restaurants. Mm -hmm. Restaurant, high-end restaurants, medium restaurants, yeah, because they go out to eat three or four times a week, these people. Yeah. We have shot 38 episodes, I believe, maybe 39, and I got a phone call from the gentleman that we had on here from Phobisoft. I don't know if you remember him, but Phobisoft was the software that they put in place for restaurants to help manage the P&L. It's really cool and interactive. Mm. It gives you as a business owner really a total understanding of what your restaurant's doing. And he called me up like a week later after we aired the show, and he says, Alan, your show. Four people called me up and signed that up. Mate? That's great. Seriously. Yeah. I, I didn't expect it. I was right. actually thinking about his story sure. more than him. I mean, because he had a great story. He came from recruiting business. He created this. He wrote the software. He did some really neat stuff. But on your show, four people said they knew somebody, and he picked up four clients. Well, it's a unique format to begin with. There's nobody else playing this, so you know... If you like this, this is the only place you're getting it, you know, this playlist. And so it tends to create loyalty and a community of, of people who sort of feel connected to it. And so the advertisers are as much a part of that as the listeners. So you're, you're sort of matching them up. And, you know, it's almost a service to the consumers to find out about these businesses. Right. Know? Well, I've got to look at it from this perspective. We are on your radio station, so we're part of this, and mm -hmm. there had to be somebody listening to a radio that's show right. for this guy to get. Well, that's what, we, that's what we're hoping, up, that's right? What we, that's what we're hoping. No, yeah. it was it was beautiful. In fact, you should probably go back to him, Phobisoft. He should Phobisoft. be advertising. Yeah, let's you. get him in here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I had a bad experience years and years ago. I had my placement agency. I was like 20 <laughs> years old, really having a hard time finding candidates back then. It was really tough, and we did the smartest lunch you could ever have. And what it was was that if you went to the pizza place next to us and you filled out a job application they'd give you a free slice of pizza and a soda. They were promoting their pizza, we're promoting trying to find candidates, and somebody at this radio station convinced me that I just needed three commercials, <laughs> okay? That I needed to do three drive time commercials and that would be it, they'd fill the room. Yeah. And you're laughing because you know it's crap, and yeah. I was young, I didn't know, know any better. Right. But 
they sold me three primetime drive time radio commercials, which was stupid. Because for the most part, if you think about it, people that are not employed aren't up at drive time. <laughs> You'd be better off doing it at midnight for yeah. 10 cents a commercial. Well, the, the thing, I've been, I've run this radio station since it started eight years ago. And I've run uh, various other formats uh, along the way, country, you know, rock, uh, talk, um, adult contemporary, various formats. And each one has a different uh, sort of following. Some are more loyal, some are a little more jump around from, they might have a competitor, they might go there when a commercial comes on, you know. But uh, the key with any of it is, is repetition. You know, it's a different medium because it's a companion for people. You know, depending on what it is, it, it's taking them with them. They're riding a car by themselves, running, you know, running errands, have it on at the house while they're doing housework or whatever it might be on at the office, and you're you're living with people as they're living their lives. And the commercials that come on or the information that comes on are sort of these subtle intrusions, subtle intrusions. They aren't pounding you on the back, but they they slip into your into your consciousness, and it's the repetition of it is ultimately what causes them to get you know win a place so why why don't we, why do i know about these places you know sometimes i don't even know because awareness. they've heard about it. it's awareness and it it takes repetition and it takes time you know so you need to live with the people as they're living their lives so that when they need what you do they think of you right so to be known when you need it that's the basic premise behind you know radio we had one of your advertisers on our show and he had a great story uh, good Greek movie. Oh, Good George. Greek, yes. Yeah. Spiro, tremendous. So yeah. Spiro was amazing. Very and impressive. Yeah. What we didn't realize is that... He's only been doing it for very little Five time. years. The, the, his brand. He, he learned everything he learned running a franchise. Yeah. The other franchise. Yeah. And then he said, well, listen, I'm just going to build my own brand. And but he, it's impressive he, he's how, done amazing. how big. But five years, and I truly, truly That's believe very very it had to do with his... It's advertising bright. campaign. No, seriously, it's his advertising. Like you said, it's brand awareness. The guy's everywhere. He's on TV, he's on the radio. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's well-known. He, he's face everywhere. I know, but the radio and TV is what made him well-known. Yeah. When I was a kid up in Connecticut, we used to have Bob's Discount Furniture, right? Yes, I'm. Yep. And Bob did his own commercials. Yep. Well, Bob became famous for just being a guy promoting his business. Like, he was invited as a celebrity to all yeah. this crap. And yeah. what was he doing? He was selling waterbeds. He used to be Bob's right. discount waterbeds. Which was huge at one time. <laughs> so It was. So I look at Spiro. He comes in here, seriously, five years. And he has created this whole brand awareness through his marketing. So I'm going to give you the opportunity because, we, you know, we speak to a lot of people that mm -hmm. are in business, wanting to go into business, starting a business. Explain to them why they should not be afraid to be in mass media radio. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot like a, many things in, in life. You know, you've got to make a commitment and you've got to, it takes a little bit to see the results. You've got to have the right medium. Uh, and, you know, like for me to, to have a one location pizza place on, you know, that's right, say, down the street here in, on North Lake. It probably financially isn't the best decision. I wouldn't go talk to him about it because it would take, you know, s you know, for each customer that comes in, the average ticket that he has on his for his pizza, I don't know, maybe it's thirty bucks or something. But if he's spending, you know, several hundred dollars a week, you know, it t it would take so many pizzas to see that return. But so a lot of times it's the matchup of the category of business, you know, what a profit margin is. 
how many, what's the value of a customer for you? Um, right. We've got a, a physical therapy business that started with the station and that's a, it, it's for people that are over 65. There's a component to Legends that has a 65 plus audience. And if they have Medicare B, physical therapy, strengthening things that It people, goes with them. It, right. Yeah, they, they can use that service for free. One if, of our big sponsors is Apple, who does the Medicare parts, and they're our sponsor because of your audience yeah, and yeah. what you bring to the people table. People don't always realize the benefits that are there for them mm -hmm. that are ultimately going to be good for their well-being. Well, he started on the air maybe a week ago, and he's already gotten two or three new patients from the campaign. So sometimes it's just it's such a good fit that mm -hmm. it, you know it's glove in hand. I disagree with you on the pizza guy, and I'm going to tell you why. Because he could probably buy some off-time yeah, you can win somewhere. I'm just using an example of but if the best the best advertisers with us are the ones that a value of a customer is there's an average ticket there of, you know, over $100 or something. You need to have a return just so the so you don't put the pressure on needing to see 50 people a week to come in and, you know, but, buy pizza. But I get it, but if I can walk somebody into a pizza place and they like your pizza, they're probably coming back. Well, it's a better example if you've got a guy that's got six locations and right. he's got that brand. Now you can spread that overwards. Like we've got another advertiser that's on the station, uh, Stretch Zone. They started with two locations, but she knew she was adding, and now she's got 10 mm. so for the same budget. So for that amount of money per location, yeah. it's a bargain. Right. Because it it's, it's promoting, you know. So you just partner with people in a way that, you, I mean, I, I want to do business with people long term. I don't want to just bring them in and, you know, sell them a few spots and hope for the best. I want to have long-term partnerships with everybody. You want it to work? I do, for everybody, because that's where it's most satisfying for both parties. Have you ever had to tell an advertiser, I mean, you're awesome, but you're not for us. We don't want you on the station. No, not that directly. Not I mean, like I coach that. the team that represents us in the marketplace to be intelligent about who they talk to. Right. You know, uh, and most of the time, I can't think offhand that I've actually... I mean, I haven't. I, people have asked me, salespeople, what do you think about this? And I'll say, no. You know, I, I don't think that. It's not a good fit. I don't think that single business will come to there. I think you're going to have multiple businesses to be able to go and say, oh, I can afford this and yeah. I can do this. So next week, when we bring in the business owner of a successful sex toy operation, you're not going to have any problem putting their commercials Absolutely on the air. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It would, it would all be, be some discretionary language in, right. in the copy. That's well, you've got FCC <laughs> regulations you have to comply to as well. But it's a very successful business. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we try to uh, have the station be a, uh, a little bit of an escape for people. You know, there's enough bad news and things out there frightening everyone. Sex is a scavenger. It is. It's, well, that's another escape. <laughs> it's a whole other <laughs> subject. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But we try to keep it all high road and, and uh, family friendly. Yeah. What's the one part of your job that you'd love to give away and never have to do? Hmm. That's a good question. Tick, tock, tick, I tock. actually, I, I, I pretty much love every aspect of running this place. Look, Dick's not listening. Yeah, no, like, yeah I'm sure he is. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one thing is that the fact that it never ends sometimes gets a little fatiguing because it's 365. It's never off. We're never closed for any period. You know, it's always on. And I would think that 
this is this is fun doing it every day. I mean, so I'm sure you're going to have your dull moments, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's a, a fun, fun environment. It's it a fun, fun business. creative, and you get to work with a lot of different companies. Yes. You're really in the middle of the marketplace, and you sort of see all the different ways people make yeah. money and the different services they offer to the community. It's, it's a be, great position. I'll tell be. you what, since we started doing this, it's, it's been really, I mean, I look forward to this because it's a different perspective on a lot of things when you see people like you just mentioned uh, the different kind of businesses of people doing how they yeah. do it I mean they all have a relationship somewhat correlation but it's everybody's got their little niche and, and, and it's fun I think it's everything is different every day is different everybody does a little something to contribute to the yeah. you know quality of life We've had so much fun doing this. Seriously, I when we approached you about what we were trying yeah. to do, I'm sure you're wondering. I'm not sure what these guys are going to do. Well, it's coming up on a year, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but Louie and I have have had a lot of fun. I I own a payroll company. I own an insurance agency. We've definitely gotten some clients from this. But more importantly, when we're talking to people and we say, look, this is our position in the marketplace that we, we actually like our customers and we yeah. like small business. And if you're not certain of that, you should listen to our radio show. And they're calling back saying, wow, that was really, really good. It's fun. It's entertaining. And I think we've helped a lot of people that have been trying to transition from being employed to being self-employed mm. or trying to make them better at being self-employed. Stop giving me that zero. We're going to talk to this man as long as we want, okay? <laughs> no That's one's the listen end after of it. I don't want to hear it, okay? <laughs> so stop showing me the zero and the middle finger, okay? Cut it out. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway. So if somebody wanted to reach to, out to the, your radio station, wanted to find out about advertising. The simplest thing to remember is to go to legendsradio.com and then there's a drop down at the top, contact us. And that will get to me, you know. I mean, you can also look us up, you know, Google Legends Radio phone number and leave a message. Or it's Tim T. Reaver at legendsradio.com. You've done a lot of public service announcements for not-for-profit mm -hmm. groups as well. Mm -hmm. uh, if a not-for-profit was actually interested in promoting an event. Yeah, definitely. Sent, they can do the same thing. Go to legendsradio.com contact us as an info we we try to uh, cover everything as, as best we can in terms of some things up more than others but uh, things that are nonprofits that are going to be um, of service to the community we try to get the word out there for them because they don't always have any budgets to do anything with that so it's kind of our boss you're not thinking about firing Louie anytime <laughs> no, soon, are you? No, not soon. No. Okay, just no. you hear that, Louie? You're not going to As long as you got their Red Sox hat on, how could I, right? <laughs> Go Swalks. <laughs> Tim, thanks for being here with us. Hey, no, thanks. for It was fun. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah. You're a good man. You've been really good to us. You've been good to our guests. And uh, thank you so much. You're we welcome. Thanks, Timmy. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. 
Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Good morning. This is Alan, Secret to My Success. Thank you for being here with us on this lovely, whatever day it could be that you're listening. So, I am here with the one, the only, Luis Salasea. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Louis. And we have Dawn. Hi, everybody. Hi, Alan. Hi, Hi Louis. Hi, Dawn. How are you? I'm good. You look lovely today. Why, thank you. I know. Dressed up and everything. She came on a dress today. What about that? I'm feeling a little underdressed. Yeah, it's the Realtor Radio Day, right? Realtor Radio Day. Yeah, I got to do some real estate (laughs) after here, so I have to dress up. Nice. A little bit. That is awesome. Well, we have a very special guest today that's going to give us dirt on Louie. I've been trying to get stuff from him (laughs) or from people that know him for the longest time. Mike Mike Greenwell was here last week. Last time we're on, and nothing. Wouldn't give us anything. There's no such thing as that? I think there is. Got to dig in deep. We're going to dig. Brian, are you there? Yes, sir. I am. Introduce yourself, sir. No, My I name think is I... Brian Simmons, and I am the owner of Winston Trails Golf Club in Lake Worth, Florida. Nice. I'm going to stop you there. Listen. Yes. This guy is an amazing guy. Not only that, he's an amazing family man, and... Love his family, do anything for anybody, but this guy, uh, he's got so many ideas and so many things he's involved and so many things he does. But the best of it is just he likes to help people. And uh, not only he owns a golf course, but he's one of the best teachers that I've known in the golf game for the short game, putting and chipping, which everybody knows how difficult that is. But that's not it. He, he, He does so many other things. So, Brian... Welcome to the show, and uh, I want you to uh, really tell us about yourself. Hold on. Before you do that, Brian, i got to ask you a question. Did Louie butter you up enough that you're not going to say any dirt on this show? Because I that was to, buttering. That I was, have to try, Brian. That was impressive buttering up. I'm I'm psyched for you, Brian. Luis is the best guy there is. That's the only dirt I got. <laughs> so, Brian, how many people do you actually know? He knows a lot. Oh, okay, I was just curious. <laughs> So, Brian, Winston Trails, I, I have a confession to make. Every time I go to the guard in front of your entrance, I tell them I'm going to the golf course so they just let me through and they never call anybody. Well, there's a reason that happens. Uh, when you buy a, a golf course in the middle of a housing development, they actually uh, legally work in a term called the declarant of the property. And all that means is that you have exclusive rights at the gate and any of my customers, vendors, patrons, uh, guests, whoever, have an un- unobstructed uh, movement through that gate. If you didn't have that, then the HOA would control your customer base and you'd be in big trouble. Mm. So, Brian, where are you from? Let's take a little step back and then we'll get into what you're doing today. Where are you originally from? I grew up in Philadelphia, King of Prussia. Philly. I used to live in Philly. I used to work in King of Prussia. Yeah. By the oh, mall. How about that? Thing? Right by Lincoln Park. Mall. Yeah. Yeah. So does that make you like uh, a Phillies fan? You know, I-, I was an Eagles fan and a Phillies fan and a Sixers fan for many, many years. And uh, I-, I moved to Florida uh, for college in the, the-, the late 70s. And um, I'm still a Phillies fan. I'm, I'm still an Eagles fan. Uh, I don't know about the Sixers. I haven't figured that out yet. 
So you've been converted? You're a Heat fan? No, I'm no. not a Heat fan. You're not a Heat fan? Yeah. Really? Okay. That's not fair. at all. So what made you move to Florida? Uh, I went to college in, at Flagler College in St. Augustine oh, in uh, 1978 and did some time uh, as far as school is there. And then I wound up going to Indiana, uh, Evansville, Indiana, and I worked and lived with uh, one of the greatest players and teachers of the 40s named Bob Hamilton, who won the 1944 PGA Championship and was a Ryder Cup player. Nice. Pretty impressive. So what did the man teach you? Well, he was the he was considered back then the greatest wedge player in a hundred yard and in player in golf. And all the top players would go to him to try to learn about wedge play and bunker play and uh, anything to do with the short game. So Brian, um Got a chance to see you for and known you for a few years now, and and I know you work with a lot of uh, uh, young players and professionals. Uh, as we all know, the short game in golf is what's important. It's when you score, and I think uh, you're the master. I've seen it in action. I've seen how you do the things. Um, tell us some some of the guys that you work with, and, and and mostly, you know, obviously that's what they come to you for. So, can you tell us about that. Sure. Well. It- I was working with uh, with a young pro named Craig Bowden, uh, who was from Indiana, and Craig went on to win four events on what is now the Corn Ferry Tour. He played the PGA Tour. Um, Craig played in 13 majors, and he was a young man back in 1988 that came to me that was about an 80 shooter and said he was going to play the PGA Tour, like a lot of people say. And not only did he listen, he put the time in, he put the work in, and and has wound up having a great career. Uh, He's 52 years old now trying to play the senior tour, but I I think he had earnings of about $5 million out there, uh, which was exciting. Um, I've worked with, you know, just a thousand uh, players, if you will, good amateurs. And uh, as a young man growing up in Philadelphia, and this is really, I think this is very unique. Uh, the guy that was the player back then was a, a gentleman named Jay Sigel. And Jay was, or is, considered the greatest amateur golfer since Bobby Jones. He's won U.S. amateurs, British amateurs, uh, mid-amateurs. He was low amateur in the Masters five or six times, uh, British Open, and uh, was a lifelong amateur uh, till he was 50 years old, turned pro at 50, played the senior tour, and won 13 times out there. Mm-hmm. So it just gives you a little taste of how great a player he really was. As a kid, Jay was everybody's idol. He was such a great player as an amateur. And I would wait on the ninth tee box. I was 14 years old, and Jay would come up to the ninth tee in the IVB Philadelphia Golf Classic, and he'd be an amateur player playing against the pros, and I would then follow him the rest of the day. And, you know, we all aspired to, to, to be like Jay, how good a player he was. I caddied for him when I was 16, and wound up at a, at a place called Phoenixville Country Club, and he had a third shot on a par five, and I told him where to play it. He did not believe me. He aimed at the pin, and the ball rolled off the green back down to his feet twice. Mm-hmm. He then picked the ball up, birdied the next hole to win the match. Nice. So 
fast forward this 34 years, and a guy named Norm Swenson, who was another student, a great amateur player, brings Jay Siegel out to work with me on his putting. And I said to him, Mr. Siegel, I'm really surprised you're here. He said, well, well, why? And I said, you wouldn't listen to me 34 years ago. Why would you listen to me today? And we both laughed a lot about it. And I've taught him now for 10 years. So wow. let me ask you this question here. It's obvious you're passionate about the game. You're passionate about the techniques of the game, everything. How did you monetize this? How have you actually made money in this industry? Um. In 1988, uh, being down, coming to Florida in 90, uh, I was thinking about, well, I've got a couple of kids. I've got child support payments. I'm going to Florida blind. I don't have a job. Uh, I'm sleeping on the floor of an apartment with six golf pros. I have to figure this out. And um, went to Boca Rio, uh, a very private club in Boca Raton, and did a three-hour interview, and they hired me as their teaching pro. And uh, Boca Rio at the time was a, a club with all the captains of all the industry in the world. Um, it was uh, 145 members, of which 80 to 90 were probably billionaires. Mm. So I got an opportunity to be around those type of people. Uh, when, you, when you get those opportunities, if you listen, you can learn. And I learned about a lot of different things, uh, business and marketing and sales and the stock market and what have you. Um, I started a business back in 1990 where I was purchasing golf equipment from golf pros around the country and reselling it in, in Asia. Hmm. And uh, back in the 90s, Asia, the, the, they were crazy about golf. Uh, and they spent ridiculous amounts of money on, on golf. So that that was a great uh, startup for a little business that turned out to be a much bigger business. Right. Um, knowing, the, knowing the members of Boca Rio, two members, Sam Klein and Melvin Simon, Winston Trails came up for sale, and I went to them and said, if you guys will front me the money, I think I can make this work. I think we can make money. So they did, and we bought Winston Trails, and uh, I paid them off in five years. How long ago was that? Uh, hmm. uh, that was uh, 2002 I bought it, and, and obviously paid them off in 2007. Awesome. awesome. My, um, um, have you ever heard of Cimarron or uh, Royal St. Augustine? My aunt and uncle built those two golf courses there, uh, Jacksonville and St. Augustine. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So they since sold you them know, a long time, but built them from, from start to finish, and we grew up, I never played a lot of golf, but I grew up with uh, my aunt and uncle always did a golf corner, a golf tournament um, as a kid. So we would, you know, a lot of drinking going on there. We used to <laughs> take the guys for rides and let them roll out of the golf carts. We're really, know, taking the, we're really taking this interview <laughs> down that low. We haven't even started talking about Louie yet. And you're uh, going to bring it down that low. It was low. fun. Brian, I know um, you're awesome with the golf course and all that, but I know you're dabbling into other things. You know, you have your clubs, you have your uh, chippers, your putters, your things that you make and, and you sell, uh, and you have an amazing collection of, of clubs. Uh, can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, I, I always wanted to be in the golf business, meaning uh, designing golf clubs, designing putters, getting players to to like what we designed and actually put them in play and um 
1991, I started a golf club company with Mel Simon, who was the king of the shopping malls, and it was called Simon Golf, and we were designing and building wedges and putters and uh, golf clubs for the masses, meaning the, the people that would shop at sporting goods stores and Walmart and Kmart and what have you. And it, it turned out to be a, a good business. Unfortunately, Melvin passed away, and we uh, went in a little bit different direction, and we started Brian Simmons Golf Design, and I uh, primarily worked with putters and wedges, and we had quite a few wedges make their way out to the PGA Tour, the Senior Tour, and the LPGA Tour. Um, so that business is still going today. It was a passion to design wedges that not only would uh, work for good players, but that would work for the average golfer, too. Um, from that point, uh, I always was a club collector. I, it's funny because Luis has been in my office. He's seen I have 3,500 golf clubs inside my office, and it's a, a classic collection that was primarily clubs that we were selling to Asia in early 90s. And uh, the collection that I have now just in the office is valued at about a million five. Wow. You had the first original um, pink putter ever made, right? I've got the first original pink putter ever made. I've got a set of irons that the great Tommy Armour won the U.S. Open with back in the, the late 20s. Um, I have a, a Walter Hagen wedge, a Tommy Armour wedge, uh, just a lot of history, if you will. And the great thing about it is teaching a lot of the best kids in the world who come in or they actually come in and stay at our house for two or three weeks from all over the world. They'll, they'll come out and they'll get a chance to hit persimmon woods and they'll get to hit wedges from 1925 and putters and what have you. And, and they get a, uh, a feeling of what it was like to hit a golf club back then. And uh, the, uh, the clubs that they have today, uh, which are obviously much better because of technology, uh, they have an appreciation for. It seems that the industry is changing quite a bit. I know there's a few courses right around you that have closed. Tell me your thoughts on what's happening. It seems like maybe the folks in the 40s, 50s aren't playing as much golf as some of their older counterparts. Well, um, believe it or not, COVID... Mm -hmm. re-energize golf and I say that because when COVID hit we personally were closed for 40 some odd days and unfortunately it was in season and that was a big nut to handle because we probably lost about $400,000 in that, that time frame and not too many businesses can come back from a loss like that um, COVID really energize golf because people had nowhere to go nothing to do except be outside where they felt safe and they were playing golf um we we seized the the moment there and i had another friend of mine and we co-designed a shield that fit inside the golf cart and separated the players we had an infectious disease doctor uh give it his blessings and we were able to open our golf course up uh, faster than other golf courses, but more importantly, we were able to have two riders per golf cart versus just one, and that was financially a huge, uh, a huge thing for us. and And I think when the smoke cleared after COVID, we sold about eight thousand shields to multiple clubs around the United States. 
Do you awesome. still do you still keep the shields in place now on the golf carts or no? They are there if somebody requests it. Okay. So we we we, we did that and then, um, but again, yes, you had made a comment about that the 40s and 50s aren't playing. Uh, the truth of it is they are playing. This year alone, we're averaging 250 golfers a day for the season, starting in December and going all the way through today. Fantastic. So golf is golf it is at a very high right now, and all the private country clubs now have two to five year waiting lists, and they're all raising their initiation fees uh, to levels that they haven't seen in twenty twenty five years. Have you ever seen MythBusters? I'm sorry. Have I seen what the TV show MythBusters? Mm-hmm. I have not. So they had a sports one. It was interesting. So you see those long drive competitions, those guys who can whack the ball farther than anybody? Mm-hmm. Yes. And part of that was that when these guys get up there, you hear them grunting and screaming as they're hitting the ball. And they were talking to different athletes that grunted and screamed, tennis players, and they brought it to golf. And they were asking these guys that were hitting the ball as long as they were, could you do it without grunting or screaming? And it was interesting that they said it had to do with the old releasing of the chi. Like if you're uh, in uh, martial arts, that it it controlled your breathing and that you would exhale as you're hitting it. Have you ever ever heard of anything like this for golf? I mean, it's kind of funny when you're golfing with somebody who's screaming and grunting while you're you're up on the tee box. But well, I I haven't talked to many Monica Sellis. I can tell you that (laughs) uh, because I know she was famous for that in tennis. Um, I do teach Alexa, Alex Phillips, and Alex is one of the world long drive women players. And I think she does make a little bit of a noise as she's ripping it. She can hit it about 3.30. Um, uh, currently, I'm teaching a kid named Brandon Matthews. And Brandon's the number one money winner on the Corn Ferry Tour this year. And he's won enough money that he's locked up his PGA Tour card for next year. Um, Brandon has a very unique gear that no one's got. He can fly a ball almost 370. So uh, I've never heard him make any noise at all. I think it's a very individual uh, thing uh, with uh, the yelling and screaming and grunting. Brian, what's the secret sauce for your success? Um, preaching to, to people in my industry, uh, it's all in the buy. So no matter what you sell it for, no matter what you've done with it, if you can buy products right, you can always make money. Uh, For instance, in our little golf shop here, we have 970 square feet. We do between five and 600,000 in gross sales every year. And uh, most of the products that I have in my shop are closeouts uh, or items that I bought at a great price. And to me, in in merchandising, it's all in the buy to be able to make money at your top end, and as you discount that product, you're still making money. Good, man. Ron, I have to ask you, you told me earlier before we went on that you have now turned Louie into a hooker. (laughs) Can I get some more details on how Louie is now your hooker? Golf, golf. I I know (laughs) it. Well, uh, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm pretty blessed. I have a lot of great friends. Uh, Luis is a great friend and his family. And uh, he came out, and we met each other. 
and he brought another baseball player, a great friend again, now Rene Rivera, and they came out to hit some golf balls. And I'm, I wish that I only knew Luis when he was playing baseball because he's given me some pictures and what a, what a beautiful baseball swing he's got. Uh, he was slicing his ball and I taught Luis how to draw the ball, but you can call him a hooker if you want to. <laughs> Actually, you called him hooker. <laughs> I don't recollect that. <laughs> <laughs> we can go back to the tape if you'd like. But no, 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 let's. No. Okay, so you've now corrected his slice. <laughs> yes. I corrected his slice, and then we would turn around and watch Renee hit a golf ball 350 yards. So, um, you know, the, the guys that are hitting it the longest, most of it's God given. Uh, they have the natural ability, tempo-wise and releasing of the golf club-wise, to to hit these golf balls astronomical distances. Um, the, the young man I spoke of, Brandon Matthews, uh, I've watched him hit three iron, three twenty. So I mean, and and for an old guy like me, an old school golf uh, instructor and coach, it just doesn't compute how far these kids can hit balls today but physically they're they're more fit the equipment's better uh the technology has done things to the golf ball that it, it makes it a super ball and uh so that's a good thing but it, the, it, the bad thing is golf courses were never built for people to hit balls the distances they do today you know, not to increase or make them bigger brian last question i have for you if I'm a family with kids and one I'm inspiring to, you know, get my kid into golf or if I'm a golfer, an avid golfer, and I want to improve my game, how do I get a hold of you? Well, you know, Winston Trails Golf Club, I'm only here every day, all day. And, uh, you know, WinstonTrailsGolfClub.com uh, or 561-439-3700. Uh, I love bringing the kids to the game. Uh, that's one of my passions. Luis has a daughter, Mila, that is just a natural athlete, and um, she likes golf. She doesn't love it yet, but if she ever put her mind to it, she could really be great. Uh, I had at one time four number one in the world kids uh, that uh, were were tremendous players. Uh, today, Alexa Pano is going to get out on the LPGA Tour within a year. And um, we, we as, as teachers and coaches, I mean, that, that, that's what we're doing. That's what we live for. Um, this year, I put my 33rd student into a full college scholarship for golf awesome. uh, in 20 years. So uh, my passion with the kids is, is fantastic. And, uh, but, no, coming here, getting your kid to, to try to learn, uh, and, and here's the thing, too, that I think is very important. Parents uh, are a little different now, uh, I'm sure, in baseball and coaching baseball. You see that, Luis, and in golf. Uh, but I always tell the parents when they bring their kid here, the kid, first and foremost, has to be a great kid. Secondly, they have to be a great student. And third, they have to be a really good player. Mm -hmm. I think that's the progression that you want to teach these kids and, and you're actually teaching the parents too absolutely absolutely brian congratulations in making your hobby your living mm -hmm. 
it's kind of fun when you see people that do that. You know, a lot of people start a business just to make money, but it sounds like you've taken your passion for this game and turned it into something very profitable and something that you're able to help others. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show and uh, great information. Um, we'll be seeing you soon. I look forward to it. And Luis, keep hitting that draw. <laughs> you hooker, you. You hooker, you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association.